Everybody, okay. we are live, and I apologize for the delay. It was all my computer's fault. My computer's fault. I was going to see my son-in-law's fault, but I'm going to leave that alone. All right. Four days ago, Brock said Shabbat Shalom. So hello, Brock. Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. All right. So uh, I am, man. I am excited about our uh, our movement here. We are so close to being uh, at the end, yeah. at the end of this session. study. It is just, I mean, I, I, I love it. And I, I don't want you even need, mean to imply that it hasn't been awesome. But I got to tell you that uh, um, in no uncertain terms, this has been one of the longest things we've done. I, I think uh, Scott and I were, were in a uh, almost a never-ending study in times. And I, I believe that uh, it, it only lasted seven years. Hmm. In seven years, we were done. Interestingly enough, an in-time study in seven years. I like that. <laughs> but it felt like three and a half, or <laughs> two sets of three and a half. Well, two actually, sets of three and a half. It was actually cut short. That's my guy. Look Katabala. at that. Yeah, Katabala. All right, so we're on lesson 48 tonight. Um, and for those of you who are following along with us, um, our next, uh, after Philippians tonight, we'll be doing 1 Timothy, which is probably going to take two classes, for sure, six chapters there, right? And uh, then we're going to do Titus, and Titus is going to roll right into 1 Peter. So we might, might, we might finish Titus 1 Peter in one class, uh, but we'll start with Titus, and if we finish 1 Peter, great. Um, and then... How long is Titus? Uh, three chapters. Yeah. Titus. Is it three chapters? Yes. Yeah. It's it's one class easy. Yeah, it's uh, short, it's short three chapters. Um, first Peter, uh, it's five chapters I think, and it'll not a lot of help. You know, more props and stuff like that. Yeah, um, Timothy and Titus has more. If you want to call it halakha. Yeah. Musar style yeah, halakha. Yeah, exactly right. Six chapters. First Peter? Yeah. Um, Hebrews, we're, we're going to break down, and again, I'm, I'm really excited about going through that uh, together. Uh, after Hebrews, we'll, we'll bounce to 2 Timothy, 2 Peter, Jude 1st, and 2nd, 3rd John, and then we've got the book of Revelation, which does not have a whole lot of Hawkeye in it. Um, we'll spend a lot of time in the uh, first three chapters as we go through the uh, letters. Missives, if you will, to the to seven churches uh, that we've uh, or assemblies that we've talked about already. And then we're done. So sounds we are like we are just, pretty close. Sounds like just over a month. Maybe I'm giving it two months. Okay. 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 So do we need to read a little bit here, real quick? Just bring us up to speed. So, um, Jonathan, you got a weird Bible or a good Bible? Oh, I got the weird one. So you got a good weird Bible. Yeah. All right. So why don't you um, why don't uh, why don't you start with uh, Philippians one and and just get us up to speed here. <clears throat> From Joel and Timothy, slaves of the Messiah Yeshua, to all God's people united with the Messiah Yeshua living in Philippi, along with the congregation leaders and Shemashim. Grace to you and shalom from God our Father and Lord Yeshua the Messiah. I thank my God every time I think of you. Whenever I pray for all of you, I always pray with joy because you have shared in proclaiming the good news from the very first day until now. And I am sure of this, that the one who began a good work among you will keep it growing until it is completed on the day of the Messiah Yeshua. It is right for me to think this way about you all, because I have you on my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and establishing the good news, you are all sharing with me in this privileged work. God can testify how I long for all of you with the deep affection of the Messiah Yeshua. And this is my prayer, that your love may more and more overflow in fullness of knowledge and depth of discernment, so that you will be able to determine 
what is best and thus be pure and without blame for the day of the Messiah, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Yeshua the Messiah to the glory and praise of God. Let's hold there even though you've got just a few sentences left. How do you suppose Paul expected the Philippians to, quote, approve what is excellent and pure and blameless for the day of Messiah? Joshua. Well, it says here, my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, which I think is really interesting. So in the scriptures, this is in God, love and justice kiss, mercy and justice kiss. And in Judaism, it's principled that mercy and justice, like in harmony, is like the ultimate. Like it's what the Torah is meant to do, but it's extremely difficult. And I think it's an interesting way of describing it. I think that obviously he's talking about keeping the Torah. But he's talking about keeping the Torah as almost like it's almost like the next level. Like it's not just to do the Torah, but it's to understand that love, justice, balance. Because I think what you see so many times is people do one or the other. And I mean, this world is full of people who are like, all about love, maybe love. And we, we'll do whatever you want as long as you love one another. Yeah. And then other people, you know, and it's a response to, uh, you know. Injustice. Or, well, it's a response sometimes to an overly strict form of justice that has no love at all. And, um, and so Paul, I think, is really getting at, like, my prayers. Like, I think the thing that's amazing about this letter in particular and some of the other ones, he doesn't even need to even mention the Torah. It's like, that's so assumed. Philippians know it. No, I grant you that. But you jumped right in to say, well, obviously he's talking about the Torah. But it's the only standard. I don't disagree with you. But for those that are listening online and who may have been in a vacuum up until this lesson and maybe are jumping in early, how, how did you make the jump that approving what is excellent and being pure and blameless for the day of Messiah, he was talking about the Torah? Well, because he says, my prayer for you that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Knowledge of what? Knowledge good, of God's standard. Good, and discernment. And discernment, which comes from that knowledge. So Proverbs talks about the idea of the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is what you learn. Wisdom is how you apply it. Discernment fits in that same category, when to apply it, and so forth. Mm -hmm. That only comes through much study and through watching godly examples. Then he says, so that. So that's, so in other words, it's a clause. Right, yeah, yeah, it's connected. I get it. So that you may approve what is excellent. In other words, if you don't, if you don't love with knowledge and discernment, you're not going to know what's right. Now, if you do, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Messiah. Meaning, in the latter part, that you're actually applying it in your own life. Applying your own life. And one of the things you asked the question this week in your study about blameless, and what's a great approach to blameless is that the Torah, and the Scripture's definition of blameless, is not never having sinned. Correct. Which is unfortunately how the church would, has a long time defined That it. would be sinless. Sinless, right. <laughs> sinless. Blameless is without blame. So, so let's... Which is a present tense concept. Absolutely. So let's talk about that a little bit because I think you, you hit the nail on the head in my desire for this week. And that there are those that in the, in the assembly currently that would look at us and go, how, how could you possibly think that you can keep the door? No, no one can keep the Torah. Well, what do they really mean by that? Paul said it in Romans 3. All sin. Everybody has sin. Do we deny that? No. Of course, every man has sinned. There is no one who, hasn't sinned. who has not sinned. All have fallen short. Mm -hmm. We get that. But that's not what blameless is all about. Because if we fall short, or when, when we fall short, what is the response of the Torah? If I borrow your lawnmower and I break it, what does the Torah say? You've got to replace my lawnmower and give me a little extra. I've got to fix the problem and like make it. That's exactly right. if you steal it, then you have to give me the lesson. Yeah, right, right. right. <laughs> I, have to, I have to fix the problem and make it right. And in some cases, making it right means that I need to add on 20 points. Right. So, so are you blameless? No. 
I didn't ask you, I asked him. I'm about to ask you. Oh, that is a great question. So would we, because I was going, I noticed there's a difference, he points out a difference between pure and blameless. Right. And I was going to ask, would we then say pure is potentially referring to a ritual purity? It like could. a state of ritual it could. purity? You're, but you're, because you're, if we wrapped that into blameless, I would have to say no then. Because ah. I certainly okay. am not okay. ritually pure. Although for the Philippians, it'd be very difficult to be ritually pure as well, because acts of the temple in an age like that, that would be a real challenge. Okay, so so it's not that. Okay, okay. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So we're so, right. so past so, that. So the word is is you know comes back um, to uh, uh, sincere, right? So the word comes back to the pottery deal. You've probably heard this before with pastors telling you that. You know, some of the pottery that was stopped tapping. Thank you. So uh, you, you'd be in the marketplace and you'd be wanting to buy some pottery and it had been packed. How'd they glue the pieces back together again to make it look like it was whole? What'd they use? Gorilla glue? I don't think so. What'd they use? More clay? No. It's wax. They'd use wax to put pieces together and you wouldn't be able to tell. Because if you hit the wax, you can smooth it out. You can't even see it. So the word sincere actually comes from the, the Latin sincere that means without wax. How is that? Why could that possibly apply? Because if you're buying a piece of pottery, it can withstand heat when you bring it into the light and examine it. The sun would heat the wax and the pottery would fall apart. And this word became a, a, a moral type word to talk about us as being without wax. We're sincere. There's no fakeness. We're not put together under false pretenses. So we, if, we, if we take that concept and now look and see pure, same kind of word as, as sincere. Modern uh, idiom would be the real deal. Yeah. Integrity. Right? A lot. Th this is the salt of the earth. These guys, these guys are for real. If he says no, he actually means no. He's not being polite. So, back to you. Pure mm -hmm. and blameless. Pure, in this case, is not talking about ritual purity. It's talking about a moral purity mm -hmm. where if you speak, you speak the truth. Reminded of the Godfather, actually, it was uh, the one with the um, iguana after that. What's that called? What's the, the name graduate? of that one? Is the, the graduate? Is it no. The, no, it's not the graduate. That's, That's the wrong one. Yeah, don't. No one wants the graduate. <laughs> it was the freshman. The freshman. Jeez, holy cow, I got you. I've actually um, never seen the graduates. Good. The I haven't seen the graduate either. We don't need to see the graduate. The freshman is <laughs> hilarious, and it's a throwback to the Godfather. <laughs> And at one point, he says, somebody says, are you serious? And he says, everything I say, by definition, is a promise. Isn't that how we want to be with each other and, and with other people? But doesn't that fit this passage we just talked about, love with knowledge and discernment? Because one of the things about... Um, the sage's commentary is when they talk about people who are truly honest. They're not just honest with their words, they're honest on the inside. So when it says that Joseph's brothers couldn't speak to him peaceably, they mean that they they didn't it's like different. him, yeah. so they chose not to say nice things because that didn't match who they were on the inside. Or so this person is that harmony of peace and justice to where they're, they're actually so full of love for their fellow man that they can speak the truth in love, yeah. honestly. Without, yeah. without hiding things. That's right. I'm reminded of your father's comment a couple of years ago about Stonewall Jackson, who said that we should speak the truth truthfully. Right. Right? So we're not holding anything back. I mean, it's just an honest <clears throat> assessment. You know, and it's not meant to be bitter or, or caustic in any way. So back to you, Mr. Beard. I, so pure, I is now, pure is now more of a moral thing, right? So we're morally upright, pure in that way. And blameless. So that blameless, if we're tying that back to the Torah, meaning not sinless, but blameless. Are you? 
Clint? I would probably say I'm a work in progress. Only be, and the reason being, there are there are plenty of descriptions for when you transgress some of these these types of commands. Sure. But then there's just it's the two greatest and it's the two hardest. Okay. That is tough to admit I've mastered. Right? Okay. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. I mean, loving your neighbor as yourself. Right. Work in progress. Okay. But that would fit with this passage. Agreed. Once you have love, you're good. Real love. Mm -hmm. Scott? Blemish? I would take the lawyer's way out and say, I'm not aware that I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I think my son-in-law just did, but not quite as eloquently. Right. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I don't mean to put you guys on the spot and and have you, you know, inordinately lift yourselves up. That's not the point here. I, I guess my point for those that are listening online, especially you know, four or five years from now, is, is there sin in your life, Scott, that you are aware of and have not confessed and fixed right. and dealt with? Yeah. I mean, come on. I've known you for 20 years. That's not you, right? Um, the group we're in now, that you and I started years and years and years ago, had a set of questions that we'd go around and ask each other. You know, right. you know, have you done this? Have you done that? Did you not do this? Did you not do that? And, oh, all right, well, and all of a sudden, that, have you just lied to me? Just so we got you, you know, every way from right. Sunday, you're not going to get out of this. Um, okay. So, so let me rephrase the question for Joshua, since you know, are you playing a little, a little game there? Are you okay? No, okay, just checking. Um, is, is it better to say, rather than are you blameless, how about uh, the other side around? Is there sin in your life that you choose not to deal with? Is there, is there sin in your life that you know of that you're not? Gonna confess? Me? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've already, I've already had my way with you. <laughs> Is it I? <laughs> <laughs> dip the sop. Dip the sop. Yeah. Oh, Joshua. Confess to others or to God. So do we need a little time together here to deal with this? Uh, or, or are you good? Is it one and the same? There are times resolution does require a resolution for the human being. The which whole, may not necessarily... The whole vertical versus horizontal right, deal. Which may not necessarily be an easy thing to accomplish. Even though the heart may be do it, accomplishing it may be another step. Is there a sin that I have committed against another person that I have to deal with? No. Huh. I'm always concerned when I get a, a, a an attorney-type answer. I'm just copying my father. <laughs> <laughs> and for that, I will do nothing but commend you. Josiah, you had a comment, sir. Um, about the speaking the truth truthfully. Yes, sir. It, it may not have been Stonewall Jackson. It may have been his boss. Who was it? Robert Lee. Robert E. Lee. I think it was Robert Lee. Civil War. It was definitely Civil War, War, but I think it was Robert E. Lee. General Robert E. Lee. Lee. Yeah. Yeshua said that you're going to be yes and you don't be no. Exactly right. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. And that's, I, you know, I think the, the, the impetus, if you will, of uh, General Lee's comment. But that's part of what makes this passage, I think, <clears> important. And when you see places like speaking the truth in love, because you probably have met people who were 100% transparent, but maybe were not as loving as they should have been. Um, and so there was, uh, at times... Um, you need the sugar? Mary's shoes. Oh, Mary's shoes. Yeah, that's always important. Uh, and so, but when that happens, you can see the difference. And it's not, instead of it being helpful, it's just, it can be destructive. So that's what I think is so important, is Paul is preaching this harmony because so oftentimes we cheat one or the other. Sure. We say, well, I'm going to be 100% honest, so I'm just going to say whatever's in my head. And other people will say, well, I want to be lying, so I will lie through my teeth as long as it's kind. Southerners versus Northerners, I get it. <laughs> yeah, right. we got to be the Dixie line, right in the middle. And that's hard to do. 
And that's mm-hmm. and it was very hard to do. And that's yeah. why I think that Paul is it saying is. it's his prayer. He's not saying that, and I'm commending you guys, you've been doing this for the last 10 years. He's saying my prayer is that you would be able to do this. It's possible, right. but it takes effort. I, I agree with you 100%. That's a, mm-hmm. a, great, uh, a great point. So, you know, I ask it in the, uh, in the study guide. I assume you know the answer. Uh, but for those that may be listening online or don't know, is it possible, according to the Torah, to be blameless? Micah, I agree with you that it is true, that it is possible. Can you give me an example? Sure. He's the sort of the joker in the deck, you know, that kind of fits the wild card. Um, Think of someone else. Mm. In fact, think of two, three, or four other people. I'd say this to encourage you that it's not as hard as you would think. Can, Can any of your brothers give me a hand? These were great men, but it doesn't say they were blameless. In fact, you'll only find the term, I think, since we're talking about Greek, in the apostolic scriptures. So your your first oldest brother is trying to give you the clue. I think your eldest brother has uh, has an answer. Josiah, what do you got, bud? Uh-huh. Who? Abraham. Oh, we just shut them both down. <laughs> All right, on, on the cheap seats, anybody? Job 1 says that he was. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give you Job. Jacob was a wholesome man. It's a wholesome, perfect. perfect. Yeah, he's a, uh, uh, what's it called, Zadik? Something Zadik? He was an Ishtam. Ishtam, right, yeah. And, uh, and, and Moses was good. Yeah, okay, so... In the apostolic scriptures. <laughs> yeah, Thank you, here. Job. How about the guy who wrote this letter? Man. Huh. The guy who wrote this letter. I tell you, it's a tough, it's a tough crowd. Chapter Do you know three, anybody who's blameless? As Joshua said, the person that wrote this letter. Oh, uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth and her husband. Uh, Mrs. <laughs> oh, I know. Mrs. Baptist? I just, I just Mr. Baptist? on his name. Zachariah? Oh, oh yes, thank you. Zachariah. And who's the guy, the the one? Simeon. Simeon, there you go. The priest. Yeah. Right. And? Oh, or you, you're thinking of Simeon the priest. Or, or were you? Simeon the priest. I was thinking Simeon the priest. Oh, you are. Okay. And? Um, the high priest. I'm looking. <laughs> A couple of those obscure okay. names. Yeah. What about uh, Anna? I couldn't remember if she was that or not. I know. I'm asking. I, I know the, the ones you've already mentioned are. Right? But I think that the point is that the master, I mean, you bring up the master, outstanding. It's a wild card, but um, as we read about his birth, his conception, his entry into the world, the kenosis passage we're about to get into here, the great reduction that Calvin Miller speaks of, um, those that were involved in his birth story, many are described as blameless according to the Torah. Mm-hmm. And that's where Joshua first opens up by saying, hey, you know, we can do this. Okie dokie. Sharon was uh, righteous and devout. That was Simeon the priest, yes? Simone? Yes. Simone? Yeah. Um, that's priest well we this assume we assume he was a priest because he did the pidyon haben um, oh. actions that doesn't say that but um, if you look at those actions that's i mean that's it's curious that someone would take another <coughs> baby's infant in their arms and upon immediately yeah. meeting them and not even asking them you know and this would be just part of that process and took place at the temple, so... Yeah, I mean, you know, um, really good thing. Okay, well, let's... Uh, other comments on uh, Chapter 1? I want to keep us moving here. Uh, chapter 2, uh, as I mentioned, is the uh, Great Kenosis passage. I put in the uh, trilogy from Calvin Miller. I put Paul Miller in here. I don't know who Paul Miller is. Calvin Miller <laughs> actually wrote this, and I'll correct that tonight. Um, Rec Room for Love, Symphony and Sand, and an Overture of Love. Um, to be honest with you, I can barely remember the second two, but the first one was extraordinary. 
And gentlemen, if you're looking for something to read to your wives, uh, it just is just so totally out of left field. And it's just beautiful and uplifting to our master. It's a great, great book. It's a little tiny deal. And it's basically the Kenosis passage. It is Philippians 2 in a poem. As our master is, uh, and, and actually, the last time I taught about this, I actually pulled it out and read a verse or something. I had two or three grown men crying. Um, uh, the, 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 the son is talking to the master, the master is talking to the father, and he says, uh, I, he, he takes the earth and puts it to his ear, and he hears them crying. He says, they're crying. I'm paraphrasing. Who, who can save them? And the father says, only you, my son. And he scratches the earth and it bleeds. And the great reduction begins. And for kenosis, I can't think of a better translation than reduction. He who was the eternal one, in whom all things, by whom all things were created, and in whom all things hold together, chose to make himself nothing. He reduced himself not to a man. That would have been cool in and of itself. Comes kind of walking through the wall with a really cool beard that's always home. No. He reduced himself to a helpless baby in a feeding trough for animals. Born of a woman. This is the, re the great reduction. And Calvin Miller describes it and the great reduction begins and he takes it from there and it is one of the most beautiful things I've ever read other than the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence but I'm weird that way so um, highly recommend it you can probably get it for two three bucks if you're gonna buy you know read it on your Kindle or Apple uh, iPad or something like that great great deal again not Paul Miller uh, Cal. Cal Miller I was uh, I wonder if he's stuck on Paul I wonder if he's drawn from any Jewish mysticism because that description is heavily Kabbalistic. Yeah, absolutely. The idea of Tzimtzum or that constriction, yeah. and that's the yeah. only possible way that such an infinite God could interact with, with, with finite humans. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, it, that is a I, I don't know because I learned all of what you're talking about or was introduced to it long after I read this the third or fourth yeah. time. So. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I'm going to put that on the list and, and start reading that uh, That's almost point. It ties in with um, some of the things at the Yishai Fleischer show, and he had Rabbi Maikon, who was making a comment about Torah as being an expression of God, yeah. but it's only an expression of God that we can grasp. It's not all of God. Sure. And so it's almost like it's almost like that same idea, that reduction. It's like, this is this is a... This let, me, is, let me give you a piece that yeah. you can get a hold of. And so it's like, if you think about Yeshua in that way, that's really cool that, like, God wanted... Not just... Cause I, think, I think we get so caught yeah. up in the Pauline beauty of it, and that it's not a bad thing, but it's not just about the death and resurrection for that's Yeshua. Right. Yeshua's walk on earth yeah. was God in an expression that we could see and hear and understand... Um, and that's radically different. And really, I mean, just the, the miraculous element of that. I mean, I don't know if well, we've grown up with it. We've gotten used to it. But it's really unthinkable. And it's, it's an amazing blessing. Right. And then if you look at Greg Upham's comment that in their day, it was a three-and-a-half-year Torah cycle. The fact that the Messiah chose to stay with them to complete a Torah <laughs> cycle to me is just ties it all together mm -hmm. and it, it makes the giving of the Torah the giving of the living Torah and the written Torah just kind of meld so highly recommend Calvin Miller's uh, deal there this uh, essence of selfless love and then just to tie in a little more Judaism here the end of this passage mm -hmm. um, Two. is uh, uh, verses 9 10 and 11 um, therefore, God is highly exalted and bestowed upon him the right. name that is above every name. This could be a three summary of the entire Elenu prayer, at least the second stanza. Yeah. Because uh, the idea of every niche of bend, it's, it's a tongue confess. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's a paraphrase on from the Isaiah. On the second page, yeah. 
It's a paraphrase from Isaiah that the Elenu prayer pulls from, um, talking about God, which is a very interesting concept because when it's at the end, every tongue confesses that Yeshua the Messiah is Lord uh, to the glory of God the Father. It's a, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek comment on the deity of Messiah to a degree because the, what, what Paul's quoting doesn't apply to anybody besides God. That's exactly right. And I think, personally, um, I could be completely out in left field, but you know when I read these things, I want to try and hear them. Or if there's a, a, a battle going, I want to know what, what the sound, what did it sound like? What's, what's the smell and all that? I think this is a fairly long letter. And I think he got done with chapter one, kind of prepping them and started chapter two. And Epaphroditus said, Paul, it's time to pray. So they did the Shakari prayers. And he ended with Elena. Took it to Talid or whatever they did at that point. He sat down and said, you know, I love praying with you guys. So it's important that we remind them that God highly exalted him. And he almost put in, like you pointed out, verbatim the back end of the Elena. It's interesting because, and help me remember, I could be wrong here, but... Isn't the Elenu the one that some credit to the Apostle Peter? Yeah. It would be ironic. So it's like, you know, Epaphras might be going, Epaphras uh, might be saying, so, you know, Peter, Peter down, says... down the road, because <laughs> he's in, potentially in Rome at this point, you know, Peter down the road, he's written this really cool prayer. I think we should pray this this morning. Ah! I was going, I really like that one. Let's put that in there too. <laughs> I'm adding this to the end of my Amidah every day. I like this. Oh, yeah. That's good. Good comment. So, uh, we get the pedigree. Uh, chapter 3. Yeah. And it's top notch. It is. I mean, you just really, uh, from a Jewish perspective, you really just can't put a lot more in this than is here. Um, I know you guys have already read it, but... Uh, I think verse 12 kind of brings him down to more of a, a human level. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Messiah Yeshua has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize, the upward call of God in Messiah Yeshua. Let those who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this also to you. I, uh, I think I kind of went off a little bit uh, on, the, on the word mature. Did I? Yes. Yeah. Um, I know that's here somewhere. It's... Just is the word perfect. Yeah. Um, teleos. He's the end of the Torah. He's the goal of the Torah. He's the perfection of the Torah. These, uh, these are all the same. So um, I liked uh, specifically James. Let steadfastness have its mature, perfect, full effect. That you may be mature, Full, perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. That's, I like that. That's, that's cool. Um, Matthew 5, 48, the last verse in chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount. And uh, what is Yeshua directly quoting in Greek from the Hebrew? Leviticus? Yeah. Yeah. 19. Yeah. Therefore, you are to be holy as I am holy. Isn't it interesting that a hagias is the, the Greek for holy, but holy, as we know, in Hebrew is kadosh. Right? Is that holy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
or uh, it's not Kadosh. Is it Kadosh? Yeah. Holy, yeah. holy, holy. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Yeah. So Paul and Yeshua are equating this completeness, this maturity, with holiness. When you've matured, when you've reached it, when you've got it. Well, isn't that exactly what the sages say? Don't do this until you've studied the Torah for 14 years in a row, right? Holding your breath. Right? Um, don't study that until you've, uh, you've got approval from someone else who's been here before you. Right? This whole uh, stepladder that we read about in... Mus in uh, Mus yeah. Um, same kind of thing, right? It's if if you if you're just struggling with the whole I'm saved, I can't act like that anymore. It's probably not the book you want to start with. We're we're talking about everyone believes that you are walking righteously. So now let's move you from here to top shelf. And that seems to be exactly where the master was at. Not just that your actions are right, but the thoughts and intents of your heart are spot on with the thought and the intent of the Torah. It's not just the letter of the law, but the intent of the law. Right? Comments? We good? Makes sense? Just want to jump in real quick on his pedigree passage. Yeah. So this, there's a comment here. It says, I... So he lists out all these things, and then he says, For his sake, talking about Yeshua's, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish for that I may gain Messiah. And it's interesting because I think one thing that we probably don't understand from a Christian perspective, this passage um, is, you know, especially if you go to any kind of deep Bible study, they talk about, well, it's important for us to consider everything as loss and garbage, because then, you know, it's like, but Paul's really, what I think he's getting at here, I think this is really important from a Jewish perspective, he, he's literally losing everything for Messiah. Like, not just in a physical sense, like he's put in prison and he could eventually get executed and all types of things, but but from a Jewish perspective, the reason why he's beaten multiple times is they're trying to force him to effectively recant his Judaism. He's been cut off, effectively, by the Jewish community. They consider him to be an outcast and really... Guy. To this day. To this day. And so when you think about this passage, I think this is important for us because I think this is something we can really struggle with. A lot of Messianics are tired of being on an island and they feel all set apart and alone and that Judaism doesn't accept them and Christianity thinks they're weird. And to the end, a lot of them, I mean, well, not too many, but enough, unfortunately, decide, well, forget the whole Yeshua thing. I'll just take on Judaism. That's most of who I am anyway. Right. And Paul is effectively saying, I'll throw it all away. I don't need to be part of Judaism. That's I don't right. need. I mean, he's, he does. He, does, he refuses to recant. He doesn't. Right. Right. He doesn't give up on them. Right. But he's saying, "I'll let them give up on me because I'm never giving up on Yeshua." And I think that his assistance on that is something that's be, that we should do well to remember today, because what he says is, "I counted as loss." All of that pedigree is considered to him as meaningless if it costs him Yeshua. So for us. When you think about, you know, some one of the issues you run into is conversion. You know, well, I, I did. I'm keeping the Torah. I'm trying to do Shabbat right. I'm trying to do all this stuff, and and I just keep running this wall because Judaism won't let me in unless I convert. So I have to convert. Well, I have, in order to convert, I have to recant Yeshua. And Paul's saying it's a non-starter. Exactly. I don't need it. Yeah. Um, the the Greek there I needed to confirm for loss is the same word for punish. And I, I think that as we look at the Jewish view of Paul, they're punishing him, right? Back in his day, it's like, no, 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 no. You had an opportunity. Could have been part of the Sanhedrin. You know, you were a top student here. You, you even went out there, persecuted these guys, but now, now we're going to punish you because I guess what I'm trying to say is the word is loss from your perspective, perhaps punishment from their perspective. You know what I'm saying? Right. So well, it's I mean, same, same deal. It's just what side of the coin you're looking at. And it even fits because, as my dad's pointed out, you know, the beatings that he's taken, you know, 49 minus yeah. 1, yeah, 49 yeah. minus 1, 
you only get those in, like for his case, blasphemy. Yeah. So if you're getting those for blasphemy... You're being punished. The reason why you're taking the beating is because you're refusing to cut yourself off from Judaism. Right. He says, I recant Judaism. They go, well, you're a pagan anyway. It doesn't matter. You can say whatever you want. That's right. So because, why would we beat you? So Yes, but because he's insisting on staying in the faith, yes. even though they won't even treat him like he's part of the faith. That's right. So for him, he is literally taking this punishment, physical punishment, That's exactly right. because he's choosing to stand in the middle and say, I refuse to give up on my people, and I refuse to give up on Yeshua, no matter what one side or the other says about it. That's exactly right. So if we look at both sides of the, of the argument this day, you can see that the Jews have thrown him over the side. I mean, he's under the bus. He's worse than Yeshua in their mind. He's horrible, really. yeah. You know? And what do, the, what do the Jews, nominal Jews, and the Gentiles say? He started a new religion. Mm -hmm. He gave up on Judaism. He forsook that and started a new religion based on some deity claim and so forth of Yeshua. On both sides, this guy is getting tossed under the bus. It's horrible. And yet, if we look at the Torah and the apostolic scriptures in the light in which we're doing, you see, guy's a hero. Like you said, he's taking the punishment. And he didn't have to, he could walk away. What am I doing this for? What? What is the value? And Paul and Peter, James and John all answer that for us throughout the Apostolic Scriptures. It is of great value to be found in Messiah Yeshua. So much so that the rest of this stuff doesn't matter. And I think his passage, I love how he ends. He says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Messiah Yeshua, my Lord. And I think that's so important, again, for us, because it's not just, well, because the other option is sometimes people say, well, then forget the Judaism stuff. Right. I'll go back to the church. Go back to the church. And that's easy. But what Paul is saying is, I want to know Yeshua. Amen. If we really want to know Yeshua, that means that we have got to be willing to stand in the middle and be in no man's land, because Yeshua kept the Torah. That's right. But he's still Messiah. And we have to cling to both. And if, in order to do that, that means we end up like Paul, and we're isolated, and we're in a weird, in the middle of, and everybody hates us. Paul says it's more than worth it. Not a problem. What, what did we had a, a, a Alex used to say when he was coming and, and worshiping with us that the Jews have a bloodless synagogue and the Gentiles have a Torahless church. And here we are, and then he starts to strum the guitar and say, stuck in the middle with you. Yeah, so that's the deal. <laughs> we are stuck in the middle, and I, I think it's common for messianics, if you want to call us that, um, to, to feel that loneliness of, I love talking with these rabbis, orthodox rabbis, because they draw us closer than you would think they would. And it is extremely pleasant. Mm -hmm. Then they drop the question. What's stopping you from just converting to Judaism and finishing the walk you've started? There is one thing that's stopping <laughs> you from doing that. It's what you're missing. Or then you talk to someone in the, in the visible representation of the uh, church today. And it's like, aren't you tired of just worshiping at home and meeting on Shabbat with just a few friends instead of being a part of the greater community of God? Uh, no. no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, I'd rather have a nice small little community. I mean, yeah. You know, the, the joy of keeping the Sabbath and resting and knowing that I'm following in the footsteps one so much greater than me is a joy that there's not a chance of me giving up. You enjoy that with your friends. Amen. Amen. So where are, where are we? Stuck in that no man's land. Stuck in between. Uh, pulled from either side. And oftentimes, not even pulled at all. Just people want to walk away and say, all right, never mind. We'll just leave you alone. We're standing with Yeshua. And that's Amen. all that matters. Oh, I just got a very cool note from Brock who says a great perspective and highly encouraging.
So, your uh, your time here was completely worthless, except for the fact that you did encourage Brock. <laughs> yes. I am very grateful for it. I think it's uh, it's really it would be really neat and encouraging on this island if, like Paul mentions in verse three of chapter three, for we are circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Messiah Yeshua, put no confidence in the flesh. It would be just it would just be really nice if there was another Jew. You know, like it's so cool to be going through the Apostolic Scripture now and looking at Paul as the Jew of Jews, basically, you know, yeah. we just went through his pedigree, right? And and being encouraged by the fact that he's saying these things that we've believed for so long yes. as a Jew. Yes. To hear man, another it, Jew it say it. would be really nice to hear another yeah. Jew say it. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice. Yeah. Because, oh, I but, mean, obviously he's referring to there being others of the circumcision, so other Jews that feel exactly how he feels, that well, are helping I, him in his mission. I, I actually, and it does feel... Like, there really aren't many, if any. Right now. Yeah, right I, now, I, I get in that. the messianic world. I get that. I get that. And yet we've seen um, Haaretz uh, news clips of Orthodox Jews being spit on and derided by other fellow Orthodox Jews because of their belief in Messiah Yeshua and them being in the land themselves. So there are others. We just probably won't bump into them until the... Well, uh, redaction. But I, I want to bring up a point because you, you, I was waiting to see if anybody would bring up verse 3 at all because I think I think Paul was a really serious guy all the time. And a real downer at parties, by the way. Just never really was in jokes, frivolity, having a laugh, the football. This is not Paul. Always serious. Always counting the days and the time and all that. But I think verse 3 is the funniest thing I've ever heard him say. In verse 3, Paul is writing to a group of Gentile believers. And what does he say? This is after we've read time and time again how he can't stand the circumcision. You know who those people are? Oh, yeah. They're the ones that want you to get circumcised. There's they think that's going to get you into the kingdom, but it's not. No, 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 no. What's he saying? We are the circumcision. Oh, yeah, baby. It's actually us. We're the ones. We're the ones who worship by the Spirit of God. And we glory in Messiah Yeshua. We don't put any confidence in the flesh, even though we're the circumcision. <laughs> That's about as good as Paul does. For the rest of the party he goes to is just, oh, kind of falls flat. <laughs> but I think it's interesting you, you're, both of you are reading it that way. I, coming from the church background, I've always read verse 2, and it's, look out for those who mutilate flesh, for we are the circumcision, because... Mutilate flesh, that's not really circumcision, but we with the heart circumcised. Right, right, right. Yeah. So you're seeing yeah. it more in the sense that like Paul is saying, you know, you got you got converts trying to convince you to do this. I'm actually a Jew. I know what I'm talking <laughs> that's about. That's right, yeah. that's right. I know what we're doing. Yeah. But actually that I think that fits the context better because his argument back is saying if anyone else thinks it's a reason for comps to flesh life more. Because the problem, not unlike we deal with today, really, quite frankly, the problem so oftentimes in these communities is, my dad's theory in Galatians is that basically it's that the so-called Judaizers weren't even Jews. They were converts. Converts who were carried away because they were all excited, having given up quite a bit to become a convert. And they're trying to convince everybody else to convert too. Yeah. And, and we know people like that. Right. It happened in our own community. So, I don't know. I just think we've got a little Pauline humor. You should uh, underline it on your Bible in some color you've never used before and you'll never use again. All right. I just want to encourage uh, the young guys here who aren't married yet that uh, taking a wife named Euodia or Sintiki <laughs> might not go well with you when you're in Harris to you. It's just a... It's just a Yodia, can you get some cough medicine, please? Yeah, just it just doesn't roll off your tongue. What do you call Sintik for short? <laughs> yeah, really? Sin oh, 
Dickie! Dickie! Oh my goodness. I went with Cindy. Oh, Cindy's better than Dickie. Yeah. OD. For short, it's Sin. All right, so verse 4. Oh, Chapter 4, 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, by the way, different pure as, than before, um, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I believe that Paul is enumerating what can be gleaned from the Torah. I think he wrote down what you can get from the Torah. I, this is why I picked this one. Ah! This, it sounds exactly like what the description of this up your small ambitions was about. Yeah. I, I, that is like, that, that'll really get you going you to, to kind of hear that, you know, because it's not, that makes it sound like, it's not about just not eating pork. Right. It's not about just, you know, not wearing wool and linen together. You know, whatever you, you come up with. It's like, oh, no, no, no. We got some positive things on this side. Yeah, okay. yeah. And, yeah. And not just, not just positive, but like incredible, <clears throat> beautiful, like excellent things. Amen. Amen. I, th I, I read that as Paul summarizing the value of studying and living out the Torah life. Yeah, I like that approach. I had never thought of that before. I've always seen it as sort of like a categorical. Well, I try to surprise you. The things you're supposed to be thinking about, and if it's not one of these categories, don't think about it. That's right. Yeah. Um, but it does line up a lot with. I think of Psalm 19, where it says, "You know, toward the Lord is perfect, toward the yeah. soul, you know, and yeah. so forth." And it goes through all these all great things of things the Torah is, and, you know, and pure, if you, enlightening the eyes. And, and if you expand that, you, you're you're reading the uh, Reader's Digest version. You go to 119. Right. Right. Now you get six verses on every one of those. Right. It's just, I, it's, I think that's where he's at. Because again, he's reading, yeah. he's reading, he's writing to folks that may not have the depth of time in the Torah, or that we know don't have the depth of time in the Torah that he does. You know, and his emphasis on meditation here, think on these mm, things, is important yeah, because, yeah. Um, I mean, David talks about that a lot. Uh, Judaism, uh, I mean, Judaism goes as far as to say that, like, you should, you know, take your, your travels and whatnot to spend studying Torah and, and to stop in the middle of a Torah lesson to comment on how beautiful a tree is is a bad idea. So um, the point is to, like, there, you know, it's, it's a part of, you're supposed to be part of your daily thought process and pattern. Um, and it's interesting that he starts with saying, what you, you know, think about these things, and then the next sentence is, what you've learned to receive heard, practice these things. And that reminds right. me of what Romans, where it says, you know, like, you know, talking about your, your mind being transformed, uh, not being conformed to the image of the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. And, right. and Judaism teaches this also, that you want to, it's almost like you, in order to change yourself from all the way through to the inside, change the way that you think. If you think about good things, and that will bleed into the rest of you. I mean, but you were going to say, sir. Well, just that... The Psalms, to your point, uh, the, the way that the Psalms describe the Torah, uh, where it, it just layers on this, this uh, the, the honor and the excellence and all that. I feel like, you know, instead of just looking at it as the law, it, it looks at it at a, at a much different way. That is part of the reason why Judaism literally reads through the entire book of Psalms every month. Mm. They have Psalms of the day that, like, the you, you know, it's five or six, five a, or day, six a day, depending, yeah. you know, and it's all broken up. So, because, so that they are continually not just studying Torah because yeah. they are, right? Yeah. But then yeah. you, you have the amazing Psalms to but understand their meditation and thinking of. Um, See, moving on the bus all the time, they have a little psalm book in Israel, yeah. you know, reading through it. The think, yeah. think on these things is, is actually um, the same concept as counting sheep. You can't go to sleep, count sheep. Um, we would say talk to the shepherd, but um, it is a counting term to enumerate, list out the things that God has done for you. List out, mm -hmm. make make mm -hmm. a count, enumerate those things for which you are grateful to God. That kind of thing. That's that's what this word is all about. So, so Paul 
That's cool because I had. I've got three or four cool things tonight, and I'm, yeah. I'm very pleased. This is really making that, my that day. Was really, that was a good one because um, I had not thought. Again, thinking about thinking as just a as a word thinking, right, right, which yeah. is different. But what you're almost saying is almost like make a list. Make a list, which is more like it's more almost carries the idea of like analyzing. It's more again the difference between meditation well, as but, a mantra meditation. Right, where it's but, like you're, the, but it's the same kind of thing, right? The whole meditate is to go over and over, right. But to digest, and it's not because I think it's the thing is that like I think in in in, um, in Judaism that idea of it's like they'll take a verse. Oh, meditating same thing over and over and so over. There's and two over different again. ways to do it. Yeah. One is to focus on the same thing, very small, over and over and over again. But another approach that Judaism will do, you'll see this in a lot of these teachings and things. I mean, let's talk about the idea of doing a, a teaching uh, 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 while you're walking. It's like I mean, you like memorize the Talmud and like repeat it to yourself right. or you'd or you'd mull it over and really like think through it and that sounds more like what you're describing here it's that more like that that deep anal analysis where i'm thinking about so what did he mean when he said this and where else does it say that and yeah. how does that pull together with this and yeah. yep you know that's, exactly. that's really almost like you're writing your own little sermon in your head yes yes so that when somebody asks about it you're ready to pontificate, which I think is exactly the way Paul was. Yeah, and that that kind of reminds me of the uh, the basic seminar too. Yeah, that the author brings up, where it's like memorizing is just the the That's scratch the of the surface. That's it's the just start. start, and then it's in the you can't you can't meditate on it and review it and turn it over in your mind right. if it's not idea. already in there. If you got to yeah. read it every time, what are you doing? Yeah, I remember. I remember, I think it was Peter that was mentioning a very, a particular rabbi who would use this tactic, but the way that he always, the, the end result was always, could he teach it to his child? Yeah. Uh, that was when it was, it was truly cemented he, he in his had, mind, was that he's analyzed it, he's written the sermon in his head, and then he's taken that and distilled it down into a version that a child could understand. There you go. Which then reminds me of like how Yeshua uses children as an analogy all the time with that faith. Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember when uh, when I had to teach on a on a weekly basis. The day before I was going to teach, my wife would always ask me, "So what are you going to talk about?" If I couldn't just roll out with something that was well positioned, cogently laid out. To her, off the top of my head, she knew the next day. Well, she knew either later that day I'd be studying my 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 little fanny off, or the next day I would I would be unprepared because if I couldn't do it off the top of my head to her in a relaxed, loving environment, I would never be able to communicate that closeness. And that complete understanding of the topic in a in a more formal environment. So, mm -hmm. uh, not that my wife is like a child, but she was definitely looking for something off the top of my head that had been prepared. And to the other point you were saying too about memorization and whatnot, I I think it's very very important is reading. You know, we read the Torah portion over and over again every year. Um, we've been going through the Absolute, which is great. Um, but I mean, I remember. Growing up, I would um, we did these precept studies, and you read the same book of the Bible five, six, seven, ten times. Right. And you know, I, um, you know, I, I was very blessed to have parents who had that as part of my schoolwork as a kid growing up. You know, and doing these types of studies and really trying to get my my head into the scriptures for you know hours every week. You know, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, the precept because because. Well, yeah, the priest is a great tool for that. But even whether you use precepts or not, the point is doing that, especially when you you guys are younger, like you have so much more brain space and it comes to you so much faster. I mean, People sometimes will, you know, comment like, oh, wow, I can really tell the study you put in before you leave the Torah portion discussion. There are some weeks where I didn't put in the study that I should have. But Baruch Hashem, all that work that my parents right, had to you do as a kid. This, you, you didn't put in the time that this week. week but, it had been but we're drawing on years of study, and that's the thing. That's one reason why we're talking about this, like mulling it over, thinking it. It's like to be able to do that consistently means that you have to be reading it a lot Amen. over a long period of time. Yeah. Um, and that's why I mentioned you young guys, because, I mean, you're at the perfect age right now. So you got plenty of time. 
Now is the time to yeah, study, read. Just go ahead and memorize the Bible. Yeah, and but but the more you can, and, this is like, and don't, it's not like someone to beat yourself luck. up, but just like as much as you can, reading it, studying it, thinking about it, um, finding something, finding a question you don't know, and looking up the word and seeing what it means. Especially you don't have a job or a wife. You got so much time on your hands. I mean, I think about the amount of time. Just get some of that back. Like yeah. even the time that I, I mentioned that I did spend, I still look back on my 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 youth and I think to myself how much time I wasted. Mm. I could be I could have I mean, forget the Hebrew. I could be I could be learning it in you know in Korean, but you know I, I didn't spend the time. You blew it. <laughs> what a loser! Come on. All right, final question before we finish. And uh, listen to our president give his State of the Union. Um, I'm actually kind of pleased that uh, Justice Ginsburg will not be sitting there falling asleep again. Um, evidently, she's got to give a talk. I hope she has some coffee ahead of time. Um, what does Paul use to measure the faith of the Philippines? He's going off about how faithful they are and how, how much uh, he recognizes that they are part of the faith. What's his bellwether at the end of chapter 4? Did, did we read, did we read the, the, the book? This week, it goes back to what Joshua said in the beginning about the Torah. That was the, no, sir. No, not what we're nope. Not back in Can you talk about their generosity? Because yeah. I was struggling to yeah. figure out where you were going yeah. on that question. Yeah, it's generosity. It's their giving, mm. right? It's it's their tzedakah, right? It, this is, I, I think, an important thing, especially for us as Gentiles, not not in the reared in the Torah. He's saying, you gave money. You put your money where your faith is. I like that. That's the back end of Philippians 4. Mm-hmm. Ah, I see it. Okay. Right? Yeah. And that's important. And we want to we wanna skip over that or gloss over it at times or, well, I'm not sure. It's not a ministry in the land. We only support things in the land. Or, well, you know, I haven't been moved by the Lord. Let the Spirit move me and I'll write the check. You know, I, 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 I'm almost 60 years old and I have heard so many things. Excuses? You said it, I mean. And you know, the bottom line is if you recognize that you own absolutely zip mm-hmm. and you are but a steward of what the Holy One, blessed is He, has allowed you to be a steward of, then hey, you don't know yet. And you need to grow in your faith and recognize what the sages teach. What you give away, what you spend on the Sabbath, what you spend on the, the festivals has no bearing on your income. He's got your income earmarked, mm-hmm. fiscal term, by Yom Kippur. I love that idea. We spend what you want on the festivals and on Shabbat. It's not going to affect that. It's almost like if you think of it this way, the money you give away wasn't your money anyway. It's a freebie. It's not my money. He gave it to me. For what? I'm just a conduit. God wants to give you money. How do you know? Because he gave me money. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. That's it. Why did, why did he give me this money? Even the master said this story about the guy. Look at all the riches I've got. I mean, I think these tear these suckers down. Those newborns have a bigger house than all of this. You know, I just want to eat, drink, and be merry. Take care of myself. This is so cool. Look at what I got. You fool. Do not know that your soul will be required of you tonight. This, this is not how we in the faith walk. I got this extra money. This ain't it for me. I'm so excited because now I'm going to put this on a shelf. Scott knows I used to do this with with equipment that would be just kind of given to me in, in my line of work, and I would put it on the shelf and you know, and it's brand new. 
The issue was who to figure out who's it going to. And it was exciting. <laughs> I get this brand new laptop and it's rugged. And I'm like, wow. I can't wait. I just can't wait to meet the guy who's. And then I get this call from missionary down in Waxhaw. His name is Luke. Luke Skywalker. And he's going to Africa and invites my wife and I down to have a picnic at the Jar Center with he and his wife. <laughs> and I think he had a little son, a little redhead guy. Went down and had a little meal. He excuses himself from the picnic table, goes around the building, gets on a motorcycle, drives the motorcycle to the picnic table. And I said, uh, I'm not much into motorcycles. What's up, What's up with that? Bring it to Africa. Best way to get around. I'm building this, and he had it like half done. I'm building this little platform on the back. I just need to get like a rubber enshrouded laptop that'll fit right into this thing I made. And I've already got these awesome straps to hold it down. And I got chill bumps and my eyes filled with water. Because you had it on your shelf back home. I got the laptop. And I looked at him and I said, I got that laptop. And he looked at me and he goes, what do you mean you got that laptop? I got the laptop. Did you ask God for the laptop? He says, I've been asking God for the laptop. He gave you the laptop. He just sent it to me so I could give it to you. <laughs> I'm the messenger. He drove that motorcycle right up here. And it fit in that rack he had built. Like the glove on my hand. Wow. It made me weep. Hmm. I've been getting his missionary letters from Africa for 20 years. 25 years. If we see ourselves as conduits of his blessing, of his money, of himself, we begin to understand the message of the Torah and the love of our Father. It's as simple as that. Scott, pray for us before I start crying. <laughs> Father, we pray that uh, we go out and let that we would immerse ourselves in, in, uh, in your word that you provided for us for that very purpose. We can dwell on these things. Father, that it wouldn't just uh, well up inside of us as knowledge, but that it would come out in our actions, in our words, as we deal with the others with others that you place around us mm. family and our friends and, uh, acquaintances and, and others who you'll bring across thank you we pray father that uh, that you would find us faithful in your word in, uh, in trying to know and understand the things that you've left for us as, uh, as Paul's encouraged us through the letters that, uh, that you've preserved mm. Thank you, Father. We pray these things in the name of Yeshua, our risen Savior. Amen. 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 Thank you, Scott.